Welcome to another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. I'm your host, Alan Cooper. Today on our show, we have a guest who is an expert on ADHD. Her name is Laura, Laura Godfrey. I never asked my guests how they pronounce their last name before I started. I should have done that. Oh, I got it right, apparently. And she's an ADHD coach from Candler. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Hi. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what an ADHD coach does? Um, sure. Um, I have been with Cameron for over 14 years now. I have been doing the coaching for about five years. Um, I, I have training as a life coach. My expertise is in ADHD. And I am credentialed through International Coaches Federation and also the Professional Association of ADHD Coaches. Um, what does an ADHD coach do? An ADHD coach, for a lot of the people that I work with, it starts out with helping them to understand ADHD, their ADHD, and how ADHD is affecting them, and then helping them to find solutions to some of the, the challenges that they're facing in everyday life. Okay, great. So I'm one of the lucky people who have bipolar disorder and ADHD. <laughs> and I've noticed that people don't really understand what ADHD is. Could you maybe give a short explanation, like not a complete sure. diagnosis, of course, but just, a, <laughs> just a, a quick explanation? Sure. So how I describe it for the people that I work with is we know that ADHD is a neurobiological disorder. The DSM-5 lists three different uh, diagnosis that a person can get. There's ADHD-H, which is predominantly hyperactive and impulsive. There is ADHD-I, which is predominantly inattentive. It also is known as ADD. Um, and then there is ADHD-C, which I call doubly blessed, which is a combination of the inattentive and the hyperactive impulsive. So what does that look like? Or like what is there a typical challenge that your clients have when you first see them? Or maybe you could give us an idea of what it would be like for one of your clients who sure. ends up in front of you. Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of the challenges that they often have are in um, having a hard time focusing on things, um, not able to pay attention to, to things that are going on. Often emotions are a big challenge for a lot of ADDers. Feeling irritable, emotionally a big, a big thing, a big challenge. For a lot of ADDers, they can they can blow up really fast and they can disappear just as quickly. I've been one of your clients and I've learned a lot more about the other aspects of ADHD. And I also have bipolar disorder. And it's interesting you just mentioned irritability. That's a very common symptom of bipolar disorder as well. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult for people who have bipolar disorder and ADHD to get their diagnosis because one of the reasons if you, if you make a mistake and you medicate somebody with bipolar disorder with a stimulant, they can have a manic episode. So, and we were talking before the podcast that potentially not a lot of people who have bipolar disorder and ADHD are 
finding the diagnosis they need. So, oh, yeah, ahead, true. I was I was just going to say that that's true, and I think that it's really important um, for a person to be able to advocate for themselves because often you know if there's something going on and it doesn't feel right. So, like, don't be afraid if you if you get if you have the doctor say you have one thing and you're going, I don't know, it doesn't feel like that's the only thing that's going on. Don't be afraid to advocate and go, you know what, I think something else is going on as well as. Okay, so irritability is a pretty common symptom of bipolar disorder when you're high or when you're low. Mm -hmm. And I guess I kind of know, and probably my listeners who have bipolar disorder know how to deal with that. But how do you deal with it? irritability that's a result of ADHD? Um, I think irritability when you have ADHD is, um, can be more uh, a situational, like for example, you're bored. So um, often ADHDers get irritated because there's, they don't have that stimulation that their brain is looking for. Or it might be that they're challenged with uh, one of their executive functions, which is is um, a lot of what, well, that is what ADHD is about, is the executive functions aren't working the way that they should. I believe that bipolar is more of a, it's kind of an overall, it's not any specific thing. So some solutions for somebody who had ADHD and if they were experiencing irritability would be do something more interesting? <laughs> oh, well, it might be one of the things that I tell people um, often is remember your brain loves new and interesting and exciting. And yeah, there are going to be times when something that you're doing is really boring and you're having a hard time getting going on it. And it's irritating because you know you need to get it done, but you're having a heck of a time getting going on it. So understanding what you can do differently, like for example, um, one that I'm sure a lot of people have heard about is set rewards for yourself, right? If I get this done, then I will, or I get this, or maybe you need to break it down into smaller steps. Often the ADHD brain gets stuck on something because it feels overwhelming and then it's really hard to start on it. You said the word executive function. Can you, I think this is the most difficult aspect of having ADHD that people don't realize as part of it. Could you explain executive function a little bit? So your executive functions are um, tasks that the, the prefrontal cortex in your brain manages. And executive functions are things like organization, planning, prioritizing, Motivation or task initiation is another way of saying that. Um, emotions can be another one. Um, time management, impulsiveness, being able to pay attention, flexibility. I think that's most of them. Yeah, so it's way more than just not being able to pay attention, right? Exactly. And it's, yeah, ADHD, I think, is not an accurate descriptor of what that challenge is for a lot of people. It's more than just not being able to pay attention. So task initiation or motivation, mm -hmm. I think is a tough one. And I think particularly tough 
Well, I think if you don't know how to deal with this, you come across as being lazy. You can, absolutely. Yeah. When that's not the case at all. Can you explain that? Often a lot of people, well, especially kids, um, when they're, well, not necessarily just kids, it can be adults too, when they're having a hard time getting going on something and they procrastinate or they put it off until the very last minute and then they pull an all-nighter to get that done, that assignment done or that job done. Um, and that leaves them, often it leaves them feeling frustrated and upset with themselves, like, why couldn't I get this done before? And a lot of people I hear, um, I hear from a lot of parents sometimes, they, they do that, well, it, you, if you just get going on it, you know what you need to do. But often the ADHD brain is going, ah, I don't know where to start. Yeah. So that's when we talk about, okay, break it down into smaller steps. And that can look different, right? Depending on one of the things that I do with people is I look at what their, um, their learning styles are. And I know there's a lot of uh, controversy about how accurate those are, but what it does is it helps me to, to understand some of the strategies that might work better for one person than for another. So say, for example, a person is a very kinesthetic learner, like they need to be in there and figuring out and doing stuff, right, using their hands. Or So for them, I go, you know what, it might be a really good idea if you stood up while you were planning some things out, like if you had a whiteboard. Mm -hmm right? Or a piece of paper on the wall where you could stand up and figure out, okay, let's break this down. What do I need to be looking at? Right? So standing up, yeah, can, can help. So there's lots of different ways of doing it, but breaking things down into smaller steps. And sometimes it needs to be really small steps in order for your brain to get going. Yeah, for me, learning that helped a lot because I think that's bad for your self-esteem. I was diagnosed really late in life when I think I was about 40. And it's hard for your self-esteem because you do feel lazy. But now that I realize that it's my brain is not helping, I think this is the most debilitating aspect of having ADHD is cleaning a kitchen is baffling or preparing a meal, cleaning a kitchen. Cleaning a kitchen is very baffling. There's And that's that's where routines can come in and, and be really helpful. And routines are something, they're different than, than structures or, or um, a schedule, weekly schedule, which I, I also call a map of the week. Um, but routines are about putting into place those everyday tasks that we have a hard time getting going on. And sometimes just breaking it down and knowing exactly what I need to do. When you do it over and over again in the same sequential order, it goes into long-term memory. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. My son calls it muscle memory, right? So you go into the kitchen, you're just doing it. It's like driving, right? When you get into the car and you're first learning, everything feels weird. And what do I do first? And after you've been doing it for a while, you don't even think about it. You're just doing it without even thinking about it. That's what routines are about, and they can help with cleaning up the kitchen. What do you want to start with? What's the next thing you need to do, right? And walking you through those little steps. So if you have bipolar disorder, this could be a tough one during a depressive episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because in a depressive episode, everything is already hard. Mm -hmm. And if you have ADHD on top of that, 
that's going to be doubly difficult. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I would say is cut yourself some slack. It's not going to be a forever thing. Mm -hmm. Do what you're able to, even if it's just one or two things. Yeah. And maybe have, if you get the diagnosis, you can be a bit more compassionate about to your, towards yourself. As well as if you have those strategies, then it won't be as, well, at least you give yourself a little bit of a break. Like it makes mm. it more possible to get things done. Yeah. So. I think so. that's, yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's one thing that I notice about a lot of the people that I work with who have ADHD is they are incredibly hard on themselves. And I think that that's the same, same way for people who are bipolar. They can be really hard on themselves about what they're not able to do. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize it was, I know for people who have bipolar disorder, they often blame themselves for their symptoms. Like they, they're ashamed they're not doing more. They don't have a, enough energy to do. Uh -huh. I guess more on the depressive episode side of things. Is that similar for people who have ADHD as well? Uh -huh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if you have both, that's not good. <laughs> that can be incredibly challenging. So definitely cut yourself some slack. You might want to even have a, um, like if, if you know that these are going to be regular occurrences, you might have a different um, structure for yourself when you're going through that period, right? Where you know that it's going to be hard for you to do things. Maybe make your load a lot easier to carry. Maybe just a few expectations yeah, rather sure. than your normal. Well, and the skills that you've taught me made me realize that I'm more efficient with my ADHD fuel, or I don't know how to put it, but I only have so much effort I can put into that. And if I have a routine and I have a set strategy, it's not as exhausting as if I rely on this ADHD brain to figure all of that out. True. That's true. Yeah, because if you have something laid out, you've taken all the, I have to think about what I need to do. That, that piece is gone. All you have to do is look at what you've got laid out. Yeah, so if you're it's like somebody drew the roadmap for you. <laughs> yeah, and that's way easier. It doesn't require as much energy. So if you're in a depressive episode, then that's gold, really. If there's something that takes a little less energy. Uh -huh. So we were talking, you don't have a lot of clients, you said, that have bipolar disorder. Was there, but is there anything that you've noticed or any thoughts on people who have ADHD and bipolar disorder? I think that, um, I think one of the biggest challenges for them is the emotional piece and um, dealing with those, um, those times, like you mentioned, Alan, when they hit that, um, that depressive state and it's really hard for them to do things. Um, I think, I think the other thing that I'm realizing is that it's, while it is a, a known comorbidity of ADHD, I don't think that people realize that there, it is as common as it is. Mm -hmm. I think that there's probably still a lot of people who 
aren't comfortable saying that they also have bipolar. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And you were saying it's the emotional piece that's tough? I think, I think for them, that's, that's the, um, the biggest piece is that, that emotions. Um, and it's not only are they dealing with the, the executive function um, emotions piece, they're also dealing with um, how bipolar affects and um, the situations that come with having bipolar. Okay. And you, you've given me some strategies on how to self-regulate you were teaching me. Can you talk about that a little bit? Hmm. So the method that I use is from Dr. Stuart Shanker. I took the foundations course um, a couple of years ago and I, I love um, his method because what he does is he's looking for hidden stressors that people are dealing with every day. And what we don't realize is when we're, when we're dealing with hidden stressors, our brain is burning energy to try and keep ourselves um, at what we call a homeostasis level. So being able to be calm and to look at things in a calm manner and interact with others in a calm manner and deal with those situations in a calm manner. Um, so looking at um, the, the hidden, hidden stressors and one, understanding what your hidden stressors are because everybody's gonna be different. We're all different, right? And then um, understanding how they affect you. So when you have days when you get home and you're totally exhausted and you don't wanna to talk to anybody and it's like, just leave me alone. And you go back and you think about, okay, what have I been dealing with today? And when you realize you've had a bunch of little stressors that didn't seem that big in the moment, but they have now got you to that place where you're done. You have nothing left in your tank in order to do what you would like to do. So again, that can be really hard for a lot of ADDers. And when you think about how ADHD people with ADHD are, are hypersensitive already, or they're what I often call sensory sensitive, it's, it, it starts to make sense why you're having, why people have a hard time when there's a lot of like, um, I know I've had several people recently that I've been working with where light and sound is a big challenge for them. So if they're in a place where there's fluorescent lights, like in school, there's a lot of noise, they come home and, um, um, they have homework to do and they're having a heck of a time getting going on it. Well, I'm not surprised because they don't have any energy left to get going on it. So when you're thinking about, okay, so now what do you do? <laughs> you know that you've got these hidden stressors to deal with. What do you do? Actually, the solutions are pretty simple, but they're often things that a lot of us go, I don't have time to do that. And they're things like, um, getting outside, um, spending time with other people. I know that's hard right now, but uh, even calling somebody up and talking with, you know, talking with a friend, listening to music, um, doing exercise, uh, those kinds of things can often be really helpful. And what I, what I tell people is because we're all different, think of those things that help you to relax. What have you done in the past that it's help, that's helped you to relax? One of my big ones is coloring. I love coloring. So that's one of the ones that I, one of the strategies that I use to help myself to relax after, um, mm -hmm. after work. And so by incorporating that into your routine, what difference does that make for people who have ADHD? Self-regulation? 
when they when they are doing those things that help them to relax, it means that they're going to have more energy to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the Ferrari concept, I talk about um, Ned Hollowell's um, the ADHD brain is like a Ferrari with bicycle brakes. So if you think about, yeah, yeah, when you think about the the Ferrari and um, it's it's a matter of you either have a full tank and you can go somewhere or you're empty and you're not going anywhere or doing anything. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, So if you, oh, okay. So if you don't do self-regulation, you're going to have an empty tank. And just willpower alone is going to be hard to accomplish. Right. You need to get that. Yeah. You mentioned there that people with ADHD have sensory issues with light uh-huh. and things like that. Can you talk about that? I didn't really, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's um, a lot. And again, it's something that a lot of people, I think, aren't aware of. Um, and the sensory issues. Of, one of the most common ones is um, tags in, in clothes. Thank goodness there really? are lots of, yeah, lots of companies are ditching the tags in the clothes and they're just stamping their name in the, in the, in the clothes. But um, seams in clothes, how clothes fit, how they feel. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, taste and texture of food can be a big challenge for a lot of ADDers. Smell can be a big challenge for me. Um, my big one is perfume or strong smells uh, like that. So uh, smell can be a, a big challenge. Um, and in the, in, in the light area, it's, um, I have one girl that I'm working with who if she can have the room darkened, she will have the room darkened. And then mom comes in and turns off lights on and then it throws her off totally. So it's, it's one of those things where everybody's different. Everybody has their own sensitivities to different things, but it's um, often we're not thinking about, you know, what, how, how shoes fit or what's, what smells we're dealing with in, in the world or how much, how much, um, noise or activity is going on around us. If you think about a grocery store, I don't know if you've ever gone into a grocery store and you've been in there for maybe five or 10 minutes and all of a sudden it's like, just, I don't care what I get. I just, I got to get out of here. It's a combination. Yeah, it's a combination of like all the people around, the lights, too many choices. That can be a big challenge. I just realized in my blog last week, I talked about anxiety in the grocery store and it's been less. And I think, <laughs> I think the fact that I have conservative makes a big difference. Wow. I just realized because it makes it less overwhelming. It could very well. Hmm. That's one of, one of the cool things that medication can help with. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, Uh, so we're close to the end here. Was there anything else you'd like to add? You said a lot. That's a good one. (laughs) I ask that to everybody. Sometimes I do, sometimes they don't. Uh, I can't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's just been. How do people get a diagnosis? Do you know anything about that? 
for ADHD? Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, I was just reading this morning a little bit about um, some of the brain scans that they're looking at um, bringing into place. It's not something where they are at being able to do it consistently everywhere. Uh, but it's definitely something that they have seen in the brain scans. There is a difference between, between an ADHD brain and a neurotypical brain. So maybe at some point in the future, it'll just be as simple as having a brain scan done. <laughs> uh, at this moment, we're not there yet. So when, when they do a diagnosis for ADHD, they, the psychologists are dependent on um, running. Um, there's, there's certain tests that they do. Um, when they do a diagnosis for ADHD, they're also looking for comorbidities as well. So it's with everybody, it's going to be a little bit different, but basically they rely on not just listening to, to that person and the challenges, but also people around them because they're looking for consistency in different areas of their life. So if it's a child, they might be talking to the teachers and parents, um, and if there are, other, there are other family members, they'll, they'll ask them as well. They'll talk with them as well. If it's an adult um, and they have report cards from when they were in school, some, some people do, some people don't, right? Um, they, they might look at that just to see what challenges might have been going on back then. And then again, they're dependent on talking with um, family members, people that are, that are close to them to find out what they're like in, in different situations. So they're looking for consistency in behaviors over in different um, situations. Okay, so they, people need to see a psychologist then to get a proper assessment. To, to get a proper diagnosis, although there are some family physicians that, that will do it. But again, there is a difference between having a, what we call a psychoeds um, assessment done an assessment or an assessment done by a physician. The physician can diagnose and, um, and get you started on medication if they feel that that's what's going on. What a psychoed assessment will do is not only will it allow you to, to get that medication that you need if, you, if that's what you choose to do, but it can also be beneficial if you are going to school because then you can look for those accommodations that are gonna help you like more time in tests or a different room for tests, or maybe you're able to record um, lectures or whatever it is that, that you need help with. Um, it gives you that ability to, to request that. Okay, great. All right, then to finish up, did you just want to tell people how to find CanLearn or how to find you or sure. that sort of information? Um, CanLearn has a website, obviously. It's uh, www.canlearnsociety.ca. Um, they can uh, send me an email at lgodfrey at canlearnsociety.ca or they can give us a call at 403-686-9300. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your time today. Mm -hmm. I know I've encountered a lot of people who have ADHD and bipolar disorder and trying to sort that out. So all of your information, I'm sure, will be very helpful for a lot of my listeners. So thanks Good again. Good to know. <laughs> thanks, Alan. Okay. And thank you to my listeners. This has been another Bipolar Disorder Moment. <laughs>